Blog Talk Radio. Without 
All of those that I loved and lost Life is not the same For all the good times I can recall To all I've loved God bless you all The happiest moments That I'll ever know Were once upon a long time ago Once upon a long time ago, travelers felt safe in traveling by air, but not so much today. Uh, we hear so many uh, different uh, stories about what's happening in our airways, our on our long our airways, and uh, so our sh- our show today is pretty much um, going to be talking about what's happening to our crew members and the passengers that purchase a ticket and expect to get from point A to point B in the comfort uh, of the aircraft that are wonderfully uh, equipped and uh, comfort, uh, comfortable seatings and all that, but uh, not so much, uh, too much. So I've picked up a song, I've picked out a song that uh, perhaps uh, is what's happening in the air today. So see what you think. Maybe there's a better song to play to open our, our subject up. But uh, I thought this was apropos. somebody else or whatever. Uh, let's start off by seeing who we have with us uh, on my producer's board. I see uh, area code 770, which of course is the Atlanta area, represented by Al Jenkins. Hello, Al. I got your microphone on, and how you doing? And I'm doing fine, uh, surviving, and thank God I'm still here for another day. Okay. I can't say anything better than that. All right, that's great. And let me open micro, uh, the microphone of Mike Scott up in Long Island. Hello, Mike. How are you today? Yeah, we're doing good. I agree with Al. So uh, it's a nice <laughs> day today. It's uh, 74 degrees and clear, and uh, we're alive. So <clears throat> we can't well, can't wish for much more than that. <clears throat> there you go. Okay, again, in the Atlanta area, a little bit uh, out in the suburbs, is Jim Holder. Jim, I'm going to open up your microphone right now and 
and uh, good that you could uh, be with us when your house is being painted. How they're doing? Well, it's doing pretty good. I was a little late signing on because the boss man came by, and we were talking about a couple of little problems, and all of a sudden, Carrie was hollering at me, you better get up here, the radio show's on, so... I'm, I dashed on up <laughs> Bless and her I'm heart. Here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Very good. And I've got uh, area code 386. Let's see who that might be. Area code 386? Karen Erickson. Hey, Karen. How are you? Where are you calling from, Karen? Uh-huh. I am calling from Jacksonville, Florida. Oh, okay. Well, you're across the street then, aren't you? <laughs> I am. <laughs> Karen, you're in the same neighborhood, aren't you? I'm I think sorry? you are. You're in the World Golf Village, aren't you? No, I'm just north of there, just right around the Mandarin area. Oh, okay. Very good. All right. Yeah. Were, were yeah. you at the Were you at the Silverliners luncheon here this past week? No, unfortunately, I was not. Um, I have lived far enough away and having other commitments and such, I haven't been able yeah. to attend one, and I'm, I'm wanting to very much so. Very. Okay, well, yeah, come and join that group. They are really nice. I went over there last week, and they had me as a guest speaker. I didn't have anything prepared, but I just, uh, I just uh, kept talking about different things. Of course, you know, when you're talking about Eastern, all sorts of uh, memories come up. And you, you just want to tell your whole life story with the airlines <laughs> when you start talking about our great airline. But, yes, uh, I agree with that. Yes, indeed. Did it catch your attention about about what's happening in the air today, Karen? Oh, my gosh, yes, indeed. I've posted a number of things on Facebook about it because it just – I don't understand, and and maybe you can fill me in a little bit because I've been – a little off the topic for a little bit, but what I don't understand is that there has not been anything put in place for the security, whether it be a sky marshal or whomever, um, just to get the message out there to the public that you know this is not going to be tolerated. Well, talking to Al Jenkins before we came on the air, his daughter told him something that uh, is being done now. Al, would you retell? what you learned from your daughter she works for an airline don't mention the airline oh yeah <laughs> yeah uh my daughter she's a flight attendant on one of the big airlines and uh she told me i says aren't you afraid up there and she says no because the crop pit true crew are weaponized <laughs> carrying they weapons carry, they carry weapons they do I mean, somebody's got to do it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wanted to read this uh, article that caught my attention enough that I decided to have the show today because I've been on a reunion, my wife's 66 high school class reunion, of which there were 50 total graduates back in 19. Uh, whatever 66 years ago was, <laughs> but uh, it was a long time ago, once upon a long time ago. And uh, there are 20 of them left now, and there were 11 of them at the reunion. And it was up in North Carolina. But when I got back, I, I turned the computer on and read this story. And I'm sure you all have uh, read it, heard it, maybe even seen it uh, on the internet. But a man attempts to storm a cockpit, strangles and kicks a flight attendant on JetBlue flight. This was this past Thursday. And a man attempted to storm the cockpit on Wednesday evening and then proceeded to kick and choke members of the flight crew, according to an FBI affidavit. With little more than an hour left in the flight from Boston to San Juan, Puerto Rico, the man attempted to make a phone call and became angry about the call's unsuccess. And the flight attendant told the FBI, 30 minutes later, he allegedly rushed toward the cockpit, shouting in Spanish and Arabic, to be shot. 
a flight attendant was able to get the man corralled back into a passenger seat area until a pilot decided to open the flight deck door. I don't know whether that was a good idea, but the pilot came out. But in the incident that first reported by the Daily Beast, the unruly passenger grabbed the flight attendant by their collar and tie with one hand and placed his other hand on the overhead compartment in an attempt to gain leverage before kicking the flight attendant in the chest, according to the affidavit. He, as he was allegedly attacking the crew, he shouted again for the pilot to shoot him. While he was yelling, he was still holding the JetBlue flight attendant by their tie. Uh, the affidavit said this resulted in the tie tightening and ultimately preventing the JetBlue flight attendant from breathing. Eventually, six or seven crew members were able to gain control of the man using flex clu- uh, cuffs. However, the man broke out the first pair of the flex cuffs, and the crew needed to use four seat belt extenders, a new pair of flex cuffs, and a uniform necktie to restrain him to a seat. The plane landed safely in San Juan, where the man was taken into custody. He now faces felony charges of interfering with a flight crew. This year alone, more than 4,300 unruly passenger incidents have been reported to the Federal Aviation Administration. Now, what's it going to take, folks? What's it going to take to straighten this mess out? Karen, do you have an idea? Well, I got a question. Yep. Jim, you got a question? Yes. Was the first flight attendant that tied, was that a male or a female that he ended up choking and all that? I don't know whether the females wear ties, but maybe some of them do. I don't know what the uniform styles are today. Uh-huh. I haven't been on a commercial flight lately, but uh, uh-huh. I assume it was a male flight attendant. Well, well I, I know that recently on you know, the news, uh, you've seen these unruly things, and there are some male passengers that get involved and really help subdue these people. It sounds like nobody did that on this one, though, it is it all crew members that were trying to restrain him? I wonder. <clears throat> there was a video of it. Uh, Mike, did you see the video of Karen or Al? I did not no. see it or even hear about it. I didn't either. Yeah, I didn't even I hear didn't. about it. Well, I'll tell you, Al, uh, that pilot uh, <laughs> with the with the gun that you just mentioned, uh, with the airlines your daughter flies for, I think if I were the the guy and he said shoot me i think i might have done it <laughs> done it <laughs> i know <laughs> no you can't do that it go through the airplane go through him yeah. and the aircraft yeah, yeah. No. did he shoot yeah. did did he was uh no he didn't he didn't shoot him didn't say anything about what the pilot might have, might have done or if if anything mm-hmm. it sounded like the flight attendants and maybe uh, the passengers. I didn't read any more about that story, but I just thought it yeah. was very interesting. And what airline was it again? JetBlue. JetBlue. Okay, that's right. Yeah. All right. Well, we know it was well, a, not a flight engineer because I, everybody doesn't have them anymore. So it, the captain would probably not want to go back. So it must have been the first officer that went back no. with a gun or came open the door with a gun. Karen, did you fly for Eastern? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Did you ever have any any problems like this uh, when you were a flight attendant? Only once in a while. I had one incident where a gentleman was in first class, and of course, this is well before we had the screening that you know took place later on in the years to come. Um, and he had a jackknife, and he uh, didn't appear to any one of us to be intoxicated at the initial. Uh, start of the flight, but um, he sat there little by little and completely cut all the material of the seat, the seat in front of him. And then I think after he had one or two drinks, he started to become very belligerent. Um, So that was very frightful um, because he was the one in control of the knife. And uh, it turned out that the second officer came out and started talking to him and the the thing that I think really changed it, it's such a simple thing, 
the second officer got down on his knees, eye level, equal to this gentleman, and just lowered his voice, and they started to converse. And he talked him into handing the the, uh, knife over to him, which was amazing. Mm. Now, that's in the best of, you know, results and has to come to an end that way. But I'm just very, very concerned um, that I just don't feel that flight attendants and or crew members um, should take on any of this responsibility. I feel strongly about, do they still call them an air marshal? To have them placed on flights, at least to get the general public to understand that there's going to be security on the airplanes, and that might help to deter some of this agitation that takes place. Well, Karen, what's wrong with the idea that you just mentioned that uh, that he had had uh, too much to drink? What's wrong with the idea of removing all the liquor kits on the airplane? I have always said that, always said that from day one. And I understand some people will argue, you know, when you have an overseas trip that's long and that type of thing, and I get that. But imagine you're on an airplane for six, seven, eight hours, and the alcohol is flowing, and then you've got a, a situation, and you're over water, <laughs> you know, heading to Europe. That's yeah. Fine. Well, we got another caller from area code three eight six. That's a Texas. No, I don't know. That's that's, that's Florida. here. Look, that's Florida. Yeah. Uh, who is the other caller on three eight six? If you'd like to say hello. Well. Maybe just listening on the phone. That's okay. But uh, uh, did anything like uh, uh, Mike? You flew international flying, or most of your flying, and passengers on your aircraft. Did you ever had any have any uh, unruly passengers that uh, caused you to turn around and come back and land? No, we never had any divert anywhere. But uh, we used to have. Uh a lot of arguments uh, between uh, the family members that we used to fly with. <laughs> Believe it or not, you get the family on there. You get these Middle Easterners and stuff. And uh, but we had uh, just in case uh, uh, when we had the airplane outfitted, uh, we had the uh, Charter Arms 38 Specials. We had a an aluminum box with a with a spring lid. Uh, underneath each uh, three co- all three cockpit uh, seats, and had the holster riveted inside there, and they would they would stuck right in there for easy access. And we had two more stashed in the bathrooms, uh, forward lav and aft lav. They were you know you couldn't find them unless you knew where they were. And we also kept kept the 12 gauge shotgun in the in the forward coat closet. <laughs> Wow. So we, had, we never had to use it because uh, when things in the Middle East, when I was flying for them back then, which I did a total of nine years with them, uh, on and off, uh, we used to uh, put a, a base. When we got in, we would put a base, a base fuel limit uh, or load on the airplane, you know, just in case all of a sudden we had to get out of Dodge real quick. So we would have enough fuel, at least three or four hours of fuel uh, on the airplane after the long flights coming over. Where are those two keys? Yeah. 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 Okay. So, yeah, it's, uh, we, we, we had that. Uh, that's uh, a lot of different things because you never knew when okay. there was going to be an uprising, you know, either in the airplane or outside the airplane. Uh, as We should more stick more to the domestic stuff, but... Uh, other than that, there's never been any problem on the yeah. uh, on the end that I used to do. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, one of the things that happened to me, and Jim, you probably had uh, uh, something that uh, you might want to share. Uh, I'll start you off first. But uh, have, did you ever have an incident in flight? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've talked about it on this radio several times. The uh, alleged Vietnam guy that was wounded and was and got out of the hospital, and was, we were trying to get him to L.A. where his family was going to take off, take our care of him. Yeah. And uh, poor guy was wounded in Vietnam and all that. 
and he fell in love with one of the flight attendants after a couple of drinks. And, you know, that's a four-and-a-half-hour flight. And then he started following around the airplane, and it just got worse and worse and worse, and he oh. drank more and more. And Jack Tack, the captain, went back and left me up there on oxygen uh, for about a total of two hours. And uh, it turned out that he was not a Vietnam vet. He had just been released from Florida State Prison. Yeah. <laughs> and he yeah. was a convicted felon. And uh, by oh this time, those, uh, they had got these two real Marines in uniform on the airplane, and they set him between those two Marines. And uh, he didn't, and he, and they put the flight attendant that he fell in love with was so upset they put her up on the jump seat. And incidentally, I, you may recall she sat on the captain's meal, which he had left there in the dark to go back to take care of things. And now she's mm-hmm. had potatoes and gravy all over her stuff. And this guy was between the two guys, and the captain was madder than hell. And we had the police meet the airplane when we got to L.A. And it wasn't just the police, it was the FBI and God knows who all and and uh, he fought them, and they vibrated his head with blackjacks. And last time I saw him, he was dug out of the airplane as it went, boom, as it went across the jetway, onto the jetway with his head, because he was unconscious, so it didn't hurt him. And the captain had to go back in federal trial, and he got like 15 years or something like that for interfering with flight crews. And uh, that, that was that a biggie. Make the headline that was my news? only one, but it was a biggie, huh? Did it make headline news? Oh, hell yes. Uh, and it, did. it even made the Atlanta paper. I don't know. We thought we he, he changed the airplanes there. He came up from Jacksonville on an Eastern flight. And they were uh-huh. pampering him because he was that poor Vietnam vet that has just got out of the hospital. He had just been released from prison. What it was. My yeah, I, Jack had yeah. to go out and testify at the trial, but I didn't have to. Well, you know, some of the headlines this past year. Uh, or something where here here are just a few of them a delta airlines flight diverted to new mexico after a passenger tries to breach the cockpit there was a video that showed a woman kicking spitting at and pulling the hair of an airline passenger after being called out for not wearing a mask a flight attendants have become punching bags over mask rules and some are being assaulted by passengers a union said authorities fined one passenger $52,000 for multiple violations. And here's another one. Airline travel horror stories mount as Americans pack the not-so-friendly skies. Southwest Airlines passenger disputes that left cell phone smoldering forces plane to divert course. A passenger's mm-hmm. made Charlotte-bound flight a living hell. Flight attendant scolds, uh, scolded in video. American Airlines crew member scolds the passenger for making a Charlotte-bound flight live, uh, living hell. That was the same one, I guess. And also the mm-hmm. Delta flight attendant allegedly makes terrorist threats, assaults flight attendants. Uh, flight attendants describe unprecedented violence as travel returns and passengers and passengers' uh, aggression soars. A man who sexually assaulted a woman aboard a flight from Chicago to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, gets maximum prison sentence. Then there's an out-of-control passenger facing federal charges after forcing an Atlanta-bound flight to land in Oklahoma City. And the FAA wants to fine passengers 45000 for throwing luggage and putting his head up in a flight attendant's skirt. It's the most it's the most hostile environment that we've ever faced, the flight attendant union president recently said. Wow. Uh, I can't argue yeah. really with that. Amazing. And that's, I mean, that's used an, to... uh, have, have you guys heard any of uh, the stories? Of course, most all of our news is uh, is related to our country, America. Uh, and Canada mm-hmm. and uh, Alaska and Hawaii. But do you hear of similar violences and crazy stuff happening to uh, any of these foreign carriers? Don't seem to filter through back to us. At least I haven't read many stories about it. Maybe it's just on flights uh, here in America. What do you guys think? I don't know. Yeah. 
Well, it's hey, I haven't yeah, heard much of it unless there was some kind of a hijacking involved back in the older days. Yeah. 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 And another thing we used to uh, carry on our airplane, which they may think about, which which has even been talked about many times, uh, we used to carry handcuffs and those big, uh, the large tie wraps that they used to uh, that they, they use instead of handcuffs, along with hmm. the, the proverbial roll of duct tape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Well, yeah. I've had passengers can get kind of tough to uh, to handle when they get the adrenaline going. I have. So does had... anybody? Go ahead, go Karen. Ahead. No, go ahead. Has um, yes. Yeah. So has anything come out that you're aware of that the stand that the government is. Uh, you know, on about this. I mean, I've not read anything that seems to indicate that anybody's kind of stepping in and setting some boundaries, some, um, again, be it that they put a sky marshal on or what have you. But I'll tell you, as the past flight attendant, I would probably have quit by now. I would not want to be in that position to take a chance. It wouldn't be worth that to me. Yeah. Um, well, it's just way too, we our society as a whole, unfortunately, to many degrees in certain areas, you know, it's become very violent. Um, and I just don't feel that anybody is taking the stance of the security of the the crews, the front end as well as the flight attendants. I, no. I, I don't understand. And I know they Here. said last week. I think I read something that they um, had a lot of flight attendants that quit. And um, I don't know how true that is, but that was the census that was taken at one point last week. Well, you know, we have done a a, a show uh, when we were doing our Thursday night broadcast at 8 o'clock, and Brenda Chabot was helping us uh, with that, hosting that. And Brenda and I have talked about doing a Tara in the air show, but um, Brenda, Brenda wrote up or, or suggested that the the uh, the gate folks that are there at the gate checking uh, the, you know checking passengers on board the airplane uh, at some time before the flight uh, is boarded to make an announcement that anyone that disturbs the flight, flight's progress on the ground or in the air will be arrested and there will be a minimum fine of 25000 or whatever the fine that uh, mm-hmm. they, could, they could do. But there is no announcement in the passenger loading area about interrupting the flights, uh, I don't think, to this day. And why can't no. that be done? Maybe they have something yeah. like that printed on the on the tickets now. Who knows? I haven't flown in so long myself. I don't even know. Yeah, I neither. Well, I think it would be a good idea to make an announcement like that, uh, that uh, disturbance of a flight's a federal offense, and make it that way, a federal offense. Right. I don't know, though, Neil, if you think about it, do you really think that that would deter um, the mentality of somebody you know, that is going to set forth and do what they did last week on the flight. I I think that they'll just tune that out. I don't think it will affect them. It'll it'll yeah. hit home with your normal flyers, your everyday, you know, Mary and John, but I don't think if the guy that set out to do this, that wouldn't affect him at all. No, yeah. I agree. You're probably right, Karen. Uh my one of my incidents, which I've mentioned in the past eleven years, probably eleven times, that and I don't mind re- retelling the story, but it happened on the ground, not in the air. But this a celebrity group known as the um, Fleetwood Mac was on oh, yeah. my was on my flight uh, back in the seventies, and I had uh, got a charter flight from Louisville, Kentucky to St. Louis and 
And uh, when they boarded the flight, there were celebrities sitting in the first class. So among them, uh, among the Fleetwood Mac, was Marietta Hartley. I don't know if you guys remember Marietta Hartley. She's yep. was a, yeah, she's a movie star way back. And um, the Fleetwood Mac, they occupied mostly the, the first class in the 727 I was flying. And the flight attendant came up uh, after the passengers were boarded and said, Captain, I'm having a problem with this group of uh, singers back here. And they've kind of taken over the galley, as you remember. The galley in the 727 was between the first and second class. And and they had taken over the galley. I mean, uh, they were pulling out beer and, and booze and everything else and just passing it among the, the uh, their group. And so she came up to tell me if there was anything that could be done about that. And I said, sure. Picked up the phone and called operations. And I said, get uh, the cops out of here. Uh, I don't know whether the air marshals, I might have said air marshals or whatever, and take this group off the flight. And um, so at any rate, they did send someone out. But just as uh, she was going back, it was funny. I still remember it to this day. When she opened the cockpit door after talking to me about trying to get them to settle down, uh, one gal, the gal singer of the group, I don't know any of their names. I, uh, I was never a Stevie a Nicks. Mac. Yeah, okay. who? Stevie Nicks was one of them. Oh. Okay, well, she was the one then, and she had taken a beer can, and she had flown, thrown it across the, the seats to the guy who was in 1A or 1B, and a beer a beer can flying through the air, and I could see that beer can coming through the air to this day, and that's when I immediately got on the phone and called the, uh, the uh, operations, Eastern Operations, and, and they came out, and they talked to the group and said that, that they would be removed if uh, you know they didn't settle down, and of course they did. The rest of the flight, and uh, but when we got to St. Louis, Marietta Hartley, who was also in first class, was the last to deplane the airplane down the jetway, and and I was standing there at the door, and she said, Captain, she says, uh, where's that group going? <laughs> I said, I think probably the same place you're going, Los Angeles. <laughs> from on TWA, but uh, as it turned out, she was walking down the jetway, and she turned around halfway down the jetway and came back to the cockpit because she wasn't wearing any shoes. She had drank enough booze that she forgot to put her shoes on put her and shoes walked on. off the airplane. <laughs> but booze has a lot to do with uh, the temperament of passengers on airplanes. Yeah. For sure, yeah. and I think that ought to happen. But of course, the booze industry is going to fight that tooth and nails. Yeah, but but how is it that they would fight tooth and nails when who's in charge? Who is the ultimate decision maker at the end of the day? Well, on the ground and in the air <laughs> with passengers on it, of course, in the air we know who's responsible. Federal government. Yeah. Well, the, it be the, the captain, the captain ultimately, but the federal government, yes, because it's federally operated yeah. air, uh, air airways and and control yeah. towers and so forth. So, yeah, they they should take the initiative and really tighten up the laws because one of these days it's going to be more than the flight attendants can handle. Uh, yeah. And securing a passenger like this recent one rushing to the cockpit trying to get in. And something bad's going to happen. Of course, it did at 9-11, didn't it? But no one was mm-hmm. anywhere aware of what yeah. that flight was, those flights were about. Well, I've got a, a fairly short story, uh, Neil. I may have said it before, if I, if I can repeat it. It happened yes. on my, one of my flights. I was the second officer, and Jimmy Crawford, uh, the daddy, not uh, his son, remember him well. uh, he had yeah. a certain reputation. And uh, we were leaving Kennedy, last flight at night, coming to Atlanta, and I was the second officer doing seat swapping. And uh, boarded the passengers, and as we were pushing out, still in the pushback, the flight attendant came running to the cockpit and said, there's this guy back there in coach, 
and it was not very heavily. It wasn't a big group. Uh, it was a small passenger load. It was a one hunter, and it had sitting on the window seat of the three. You know, he was sitting in seat A, and she was doing the seat belt check, and she went by by there. It was a man, uh, a black guy, which probably doesn't mean anything except that he was. And uh, he told her that he wasn't going to fasten his seatbelt, that she had to come over to him uh, through the two empty seats to get to the window seat to fasten his seatbelt. And she thought he was kidding or something and made a joke about it or something. And he made it very clear that he fully expected her to come back over there and fasten his seatbelt. Well, she turned and came straight to the cockpit, and we, they were in the process of undoing the tow bar and told me what he said, and I told the captain, and he said, call the, call the company, tell them to tow us back in, and call the police. We're deplaning a passenger. <laughs> I mean, it was just that simple, that quick. Yeah. And they hooked yeah. the whole bar back up, and we went right back into the gate, and these cops were waiting, and they came, and that guy was hollering and screaming, but he wasn't fighting, but he was hollering and screaming all the way from the back of the airplane all the way up and out the door, and he was ill hollering and screaming. And when we pushed out the second time, he was right there in the plate cries in front of us, waving and beating on the thing, you know. And his butt didn't go to Atlanta. He got left. And that was Jimmy Crawford. Didn't say nothing. He said, call the company, tell them we have a passion that's going to be deplaned to call the police and told the guy, pull us back into the gate. And he solved that little problem real quick. Real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, well you got, know, uh, he, if, he's, if he's wanting to do that, what in the hell is he going to do in flight, you know? Yeah. Well, I turn did, around. I, did, I, I, did have, I did have that on more than one occasion where some sassy, you know, guy would say, no, 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 you come over here and fasten my seatbelt. And I would tell him, here's the deal. You have 15 seconds to get that seatbelt on or else you're off. And he would look <laughs> at me. And yeah. you know, I just I just gave him a, a you know a deadline. No, yeah. you got 15 yeah. seconds to get that seatbelt done, and if you don't, you're going to be off. And yeah. a lot of times, you know, but you never know if they're on drugs or drinking or what have you. So um, mm-hmm. back in the day, I think it certainly was a little bit um, not certainly as serious it seems as today's incidences that take place. Uh, well, we had to just think about hijacking back in the day because that was a big right. deal. And, yeah. Uh, and uh, but yeah. uh, I, I I did fly the Convair and one one of my first flights from Atlanta down to San Antonio. I guess we were laying over a Corpus, one of the two. We were flying into uh, Boma, uh, uh, what, what do you call it, uh, uh, Port uh, Port Arthur, Beaumont, and Port Arthur, I think, and Galveston on the Convair stops all the way down there. And we had one guy that, uh, it was either in, no, Lafayette, that's where it was, Louisiana. And uh, we uh, boarded some passengers there to continue down to over to Texas and down to Corpus or San Antonio. But this guy was just uh, someone in the terminal, and he came marching right on out before the passengers, sat himself down midway in the Convair 440, uh, of the wing exit there, and and um, didn't have a, a, a ticket or anything. The flight attendant kind of looked at him, and well, I guess she thought probably thought that he was pre a pre board, but uh, she came up and told the captain that uh, there was a, a passenger that was on the airplane didn't have a ticket, and the captain called operations, and. Um, they came on board the airplane, and I'll never forget the captain taking the crash axe. Now, now, if you've never seen an aircraft crash axe, <laughs> it'll really part your hair, and uh, mm-hmm. all the way down to the midsection. And yeah. and this crash axe was big enough to to do some damage, and he took it out of its holster that was mounted on the uh, cockpit wall in in the conveyor. And he stood there at the doorway, and he had that crash axe right behind him. But it took two people to pick him up and remove him out of that seat to take him off the airplane. On the way back through, we stopped, and we found out that this guy 
was he's mentally he was from a mental hospital. They put him in jail there in Lafayette, and and he had some plumbing in the cell, and he flooded the jailhouse by turning <laughs> on the uh, and uh, overflowing the commode and all that, you know. So the guy really was mentally unbalanced. But that was the earliest experience I had with something like that. <laughs> that captain would have parted his head, too. <laughs> My uh, goodness. Well, there's no doubt it's a lot more common than it was back in the day, you know, when everybody yeah. dressed yeah. up and funded the mess. It was a whole different world back then. It sure was, Jim. Yeah. Yeah, yeah even the passengers dressed up like... Uh, pass riders <laughs> back in the day. Right. They wore, wore yeah. gloves and was, the women wore gloves and hats. <laughs> oh my gosh, you wouldn't think of not going, you know, with a dress on or a skirt and it was an yeah. event. <laughs> well I'll tell you one thing about fast riding. I I had the experience uh, on a flight coming out of uh, LA to Atlanta, sitting in first class and the two persons in front of us in front of me and my wife were sitting there, and they got in a fight on the takeoff road and fighting each other and kicking and hollering and caring. And you know what I did? I got up and stood over there, and I grabbed the boy by the hair and the world by the head, and I banged them back together, and I said, I'm going to tear your ass up when we get home if you don't sit here. And for four hours, they sat there and glared at each other. <laughs> they were my son and daughter. <laughs> On the takeoff roll, they got in a fight. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> they were about nine and ten years of age or something like that. I put a stop to that, by God. <laughs> Unbuckle my seatbelt and everything. And the chief pilot in Miami was sitting to the left on the other side opposite me. When I sat back down around, he gave me a big thumbs up and grin. I can't remember his name. He was the Miami chief pilot. <laughs> and he knew I was a fast rider too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we all were fast so, riders. So does anyone know is is there any uh Neil, any uh, uh momentum into the government getting involved with putting um Sky Marshals on flight? I haven't heard of any that the I have neither. Other I guys. Neither. Well, Hey, this is Al. Hey, Al. Yeah. Okay. What her question is, they are doing something because my grandson is in training right now to become an Mm -hmm. Hmm. Well, that's good to hear. I'm happy to hear that. They are training. They are training. So they're training FBI people to man the airplanes out? Yes. What's, what do you mean? I don't know, oh, okay. I don't know whether, where he's going to go, but they are training FBI's. That's all okay. I know. Mm-hmm. Well. So I wonder how does that expense get, you know, uh, who who takes that expense? The government? Yes, ma'am. Must be. Yeah, I think it is, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they got plenty of money. <laughs> Too much. <laughs> but how about, how about more. the air, airlines policing its own aircraft? Uh, has that ever been done? Have you ever heard of of, of personnel from a from you know Pan American or Eastern or Delta or National or some of the old airlines and some of the new ones, American United, uh, that still fly around? I mean, have they ever? put their own personnel on board the airplane? Not that I would recall. Not that I recall. Wonder I what the legality came from the government, that it was definitely a government representative that would be on. Yeah. I don't know. Well, uh, a plan has got to be made to do something about what's happening. Like uh, you mm-hmm. said, Karen, th- uh, hundreds, I guess, uh, are quitting the airline yeah. Uh, yeah. business, and, and it was, uh, you know, we we really loved our jobs, flying airplanes and uh, taking passengers, and and uh, especially uh, happy when you made a good landing and the service was fantastic, which on Eastern it will always was, 
<laughs> but uh, yeah. it was all it was always good to hear those compliments as they deployed mm-hmm. the airplane. But I wonder what yeah. they're saying today about. Um, of course, we had wonderful meals back in the day. They still got peanuts mm-hmm. and and stuff like right. that, I guess, being served. But uh, the ionosphere service was the best. Yeah. 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 Yes, it was. Yeah. And, and then they uh, say, if you make a good landing, right? The only thing, yeah. the only thing, the only thing bad about making a good landing is because the next one is probably not going to be the same. <laughs> well, the, the next one is always the co-pilots. <laughs> <laughs> I always used to say the difference between an open cockpit door while well, a depointing and a closed cockpit door was the landing. Jim, Jim, and Mike, did you guys ever? Uh, play games with the wheels of the airplane and mark the wheels outside so that when you taxi it up to the ramp, the person had the mark on the tire that was uh, the highest up, one, one to bet. Yeah, yeah. We used yeah. to do that. I think on I the had a captain once. I did it one time, and, yeah. uh, and he won. I think he had a, he cheated, though, somewhere. He had chalk <laughs> in his hand when he was looking. It might have. Yeah, we used to only take bets. We'd watch. We'd take a look at the tail skid. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Kept it, kept it nice and painted. If anybody scraped it off, they bought. They had a buy. Yeah. And all the electras, of course, the props. You could mark the prop, and uh, the blade that was closest to the ground was a winner. <laughs> uh, those were the days. Those were the days. Well. Interesting discussion. There's a lot of other things happening in aviation that uh, I had uh, copied down that uh, I just recently saw that uh, a home delivery drone in Australia had to be suspended after they were repeatedly attacked by birds. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) (laughs) And they they actually had a video on on Yahoo. I don't know who... You guys used to catch up on your news, but the Yahoo, they had this um, this eagle that had landed, tried to land on a drone in flight, really? or t- yeah. trying to take it down, and they showed that. Now I don't know whether these are f- fake, you know, videos or what, but mm-hmm. uh, it was so funny to see that eagle attack that drone in the air. So, well, they're not supposed wow. to be tested uh, during mating season. Well, anyhow, it's been it's been great having you guys on the air today, and I didn't think this show would come off because of me being too tired from the the, the reunion that we both celebrate. Let me let me just tell you that. My wife and I attended college. That's where I met her uh, 65 years and seven months ago. And um, we've been married married 63 years and seven months in the cafeteria. Well, we went back to that that cafeteria, and the manager knew that we were coming, and she uh, gave us our meals free. We had lunch with Mm -hmm. another a fellow class person that uh, was with us, and uh, we really enjoyed our uh, remembering the men's boys or men's dormitory at the college where I stayed, and it was a brand spanking new building in 1955 when I checked in to that dorm room. And when I went back, I parked outside and went uh, up to the front door and I couldn't get in because you have to have, you know, a pass key to swipe to get in through the door. Mm -hmm. And uh, this guy was coming out and he saw me peeping in to see if there was anybody around. He opened the door and he said, "Uh, can I help you? And I said, yes, I want you to show me to my old dorm room (laughs) that I uh, spent two years here. And uh, so we went around the hall and, wouldn't you know it, it was right next to his dorm that he is in now, the same room, next door to his mm. room, as uh, mm-hmm. was, uh, where I was in 1955 at the de- 
dedication of the building and when it was first built. Now, my wife's dorm, because it was uh, men and women's, had been turned in today to a co-ed dorm. So that's how times have changed in an old 186-year-old Baptist college. Oh, were, you your initials, were your initials still on the door? <laughs> no. Carved in the door? I asked the guy that showed me. And by the way, he was from Serbia. And um, But at any rate, I asked him, I said, you guys, during the wintertime, you guys still use the window ledge on the outside to keep all of your beer and your milk and whatever you to drink cold? Because that's what we did back, back in the day. But no, it was so funny. interesting. And that college has really grown, but it they have probably twice the number of buildings that it had back a hundred plus years ago or you know, it, it celebrated while I was there its hundredth anniversary uh the year wow. that we were there we graduated in fifty seven and uh, and it uh, on that graduation year it on fifty six they had their first panty raid. Of the girls' dorm. Well, you know, I was just fixing to mention that that this is the one thing that I remember in college that I really enjoyed was the panty raids. And now that they got co-ed dormitories, it takes the whole thing away. Yeah. I might as well not go back there. Take that out. How can you have a panty raid when you? I mean, you you can't run from one door to another door. That's no fun. Back in the day, the girls were tossing their underwear and bras I out the window. I know they were. I know the they window. were. It was they were friendly <laughs> girls back then. No telling what they were tossing out. I mean, that's just. I'm glad I'm not in college right now. <laughs> I imagine college is glad I'm not there too. Oh, uh, well, it's, <laughs> it's a different breed that uh, we've been in that cafeteria this time. Boy, I tell you what. Well, yeah. anyhow, we're gonna take it out of here and I'm going to play a little bit of uh, Silver Wings by our favorite singer Merle Haggard that usually Oh Merle Oh Merle that takes us out Oh Merle Anybody else have anything to say? Karen it was so good to have you with us today and what's your last name Karen again? Erickson Erickson okay and uh, please come back as, uh, as often as you can Yes, indeed. And I was going to also ask Al Jenkins, Al, where were you based when you were with Eastern? Uh, well, I started out in uh, New York. Yeah. St. Louis. I was out in Evergreen. I'm trying to think of all of them. I moved so many times. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I started out. I started out as a pilot in Chicago. Then I got kicked to New York for uh, third year sentence up there and made it to Atlanta. And then I went back to Chicago a couple of times chasing flying. I went to, to Miami uh, chasing flying and a girl. And then I finally found a woman that I liked and stayed home. And that's been that way ever since 19. 19- 70, when did I meet Carrie? I don't know. <laughs> Somebody tell me, when did I meet my wife before I get in trouble? She can't hear this. 86. 86. It's a good thing. She'd be looking for the steel skillet. <laughs> no way. And where were yeah, you based, uh, Mike? Mike? Mike, where were you based? I was at uh, Kennedy most of the time. Uh, of course, I was used to bounce between LaGuardia and Newark a lot, though, but those were in the oh, main yeah. days. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and Karen, how about you? Where were you based? I was based, uh, I began down in Puerto Rico, stayed there for almost three years, and then Atlanta. Okay, very good. Well, I'm sure we've flown that, together. Yeah, we yeah, have, I'm sure. Yeah, because especially you, Al, um, I feel like we must have been on the same flight for a month long or something because um, I I know your name and I know I can place you. I just can't. You know, remember exactly the details, but I know we flew a lot together. I believe. Well, uh, do you have the old uh, Eastern book with everybody's telephone numbers in it? I don't. No, I don't. I didn't know they had that. What? I didn't either. Oh, oh E A R A. 
East uh, Retiree Association. Yeah. 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 No, that yeah. way, everyone that worked for Eastern Airlines telephone number. Uh, I never had oh. that one. No, no, not that. No. no. Didn't know that such a one that existed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think we also concur that our relationships that we had during our flying years were so great, so solid, and just I always look back on it and just realize I was around a wonderful group of people. Yeah, that's for sure. And we also, I'm going to ask one more time, we have an area code 386, and the first three digits is 338. Would you like to say so long? Nice listening to you guys. We. Love to hear yeah. your voice. Hey, guys. Can you hear me? Oh, is this Vito? Vito, yeah. Vito, how are you? Oh, okay. Vito. Vito Marola. Yes, like sir. The yes, car, sir. I came in a little late, uh, <laughs> and uh, I didn't want to interrupt. I felt embarrassed, to tell you the truth. Oh, no, no. Always good to have you with us, Vito. And, I appreciate um, that. So, uh, yeah, okay. I got the number now, so next time I'll recognize the number. And, I just uh, want to say one thing about the unruly passengers. Uh, I can only sure. um, pick up uh, that I know that the, the seats have gotten smaller over the last 20 years, at least, if I'm not mistaken. And I think that um, people have gotten larger over the last 20, 30 years also. And uh, they did that experiment with the hamsters. If you put too many hamsters in a, in a, in a bowl or in a, in a tank, they all start fighting and getting at each other and all kinds of sexual problems also. And the only thing I can think of is that one day a, uh, an airline will come along and it will be pretty much all – now, I know this would be expensive, but maybe there will be a way to have lithium batteries fly planes where there will be a lot more room on the flight uh, where it will be all first class and there will be space between each passenger. Uh, but that can take many years from now and – that's the only thing I can think of to get the anger level down. Well, so that's my well, little maybe, deal there. Thank you for well, letting me say that. Vito, maybe they can, like hamsters, they're caged. So maybe they can make cages. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> no more food, uh-huh. just little pellets. Yeah. Neil, i got to run. The painters are calling me. All right, guys. Okay, well, here's Merle. We'll see you guys next week. Please show up. Okay, thank you. All right, bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye Bye now. Bye-bye. Karen, you want my phone number? Yes. Okay, I missed the first three. Seven seven zero. Seven seven zero. Got it. Okay. Two nine four. Okay. All right. That'd be awesome. Okay, because I think I remember you, and I think I knew where you worked. Uh huh. Yep. Slowly right. fading out of sight. Don't leave me. I cry. Don't take that airplane ride But you locked me out of your mind And left me standing here behind Silver wings Shining in the sunlight Roaring engine Headed somewhere in They're taking you away Leaving me lonely Silver wings Slowly fading out of Shining in the sunlight Roar
I'm fading out of sight too. Mike, see you next time. There you go. Karen, Chucks are come in. Back. See you guys. Bye bye. Okay. Take care now. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.